This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got an amazing episode. We have Michael Zuber on. He is a real estate investor, author of One Rental at a Time, The Journey to Financial Independence Through Real Estate. This is a great book uh, and it's a great talk. And the exciting thing about about this for me, I mean, there's, there's many things uh, that are exciting about this, but Michael actually lives in California in Silicon Valley right. in a situation, I think his situation is very similar to people who live in Vancouver, right? Looking for- It's expensive where he lives. Looking for, yeah, looking to acquire doors, looking for cash flow in a place that's pretty pricey. Well, some of the podcasts that we've listened to about real estate that we like- are often in U.S. markets, and you know they're talking about buying doors for seventy five thousand dollars. Oh and, yeah, sometimes less. It's like yeah, and the eight cash doors flow. in each one is fifteen grand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the cash flow is always you know amazing. And and everybody that knows our market or has analyzed our market knows cash flow is very very tricky in the Lower Mainland. So this is a really great one to kind of motivate you from someone who's probably in your position, living in an expensive city, looking elsewhere. And how many doors does Michael have, Adam? He's got 187 doors. He did it in less than 15 years. So he's retired, late 40s. Yes. 187 doors. Yeah. And I and this is the, the most amazing thing is that he's buying over, he was buying over 12 doors a year, like over uh, basically a door a month. Yeah. I'll keep you busy. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, no, and it, it, is, it is amazing. This, this episode, this conversation, actually, I should say, you weren't here for it, but if you want to learn how to avoid alligator properties, and, and what we'll, that is. We'll, we'll define what alligator properties are, uh, how to stay on top of the market, how to structure your investment goals, and how to retire in less than 15 years, this is the episode you have to listen to. Um, I will put a plug in for Michael's book to One Rental at a Time, a really great just overall blueprint, like you said, uh, for buying real estate. But before we get to our talk with Michael, Adam, we got a couple things. We do. First off, we got the Sellers Club. Yeah, you know, so many people have joined the Sellers Club. It's becoming less exclusive. <laughs> We've got to be honest still, with you. It's very exclusive. Not quite as exclusive as it once was. <laughs> <laughs> We're still being very picky about who we let in. But it's... Uh, it's it's great. We've had so many people reach out, and we are sending out resources. If you want to be a part of the Sellers Club, just send us an email. Um, we are eventually going to have a sign-up portion on our website. But for now, just 
reply uh, to our if you're on the mailing list, reply that you want to be part of the Sellers Club. Well, yeah, it's on. We we do have a reply on the live wire. Yes, but if you saw, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up, and and we will add you to the list. We are sending out super valuable resources like the checklist for how to prepare your home for market, the sold plan, the sold plan, start on launch date, and work your way backwards. It is an amazing plan. It it actually forces it. These are actionable plans. Yeah, really. this this. Let's put it this way. If you're thinking about selling a place in Vancouver or elsewhere, there is no way you won't find value in uh, being part of the Sellers Club. Exactly. Exactly. And Matt, we've also got our sponsor, Oakland Realty. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast today is sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage in the city of Vancouver. Right. Fantastic place to work. Incredible place to work. And we should say, Matt, we were just actually on, they have a podcast called the Oakland Podcast. That's right. And we were actually guests uh, in the hot seat. We were on the other side of the, yeah. <laughs> uh, our old producer, Brady D, was in the room. It was yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot well, of fun. Well, actually, it wasn't all that much fun, actually. There was some pretty tricky questions. It was basically like the five wire uh, when we didn't have the For questions in minutes. advance. <laughs> yeah, sort of staring off in the space panicking. But uh, yeah. yeah, great conversation. It, it was a fun conversation. And we were over at Michael's place for uh, for that. It was it was a good day, yeah. all in all. A good a good hour uh, of the day. And, Absolutely. Uh, so check out the Oakland podcast if you're interested. But also, let's finish the pitch here. If you are an aspiring agent, a new agent, an older agent, somebody looking to make a change, I think Oakland is probably the place for you, especially if you like information about real estate because they are an information-heavy brokerage. Oakland.com slash join VRP 2020. Tell them we sent you. Oakland.com slash join VRP 2020. You get a big surprise. It's a huge surprise. And one thing they actually mentioned to us at the podcast is it's actually a, a delicate gift. <laughs> well, what did they yeah, call I it? Feel like they, a, they, they actually referred to it as like a delicate mystery gift. Yeah, a mystery <laughs> so gift. So huge surprise might be uh, – we I, might have taken the ball and ran with we've it evolved. In, the wrong, in the wrong direction. So it might not be a huge gift. We have no idea what you're going to get, but definitely uh, a delicate yeah, mystery gift. Get, get, get in touch. Get in touch with those guys. And last but not least, Matt, we just want to thank everybody who came to the Vancouver Real Estate Summit last weekend. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed our our portion of the talk, but there was a lot of great, great guest speakers uh, on that panel and a thousand people registered yeah, for yeah. that. So uh, it was a, a lot huge of people turnout. are interested in real estate summits. <laughs> yeah. And there was actually a, a place where you could click if you wanted us to get in touch. Um, and a lot of people actually uh, wanted us to get in touch. So we're going to be reaching out to people soon. Absolutely. But uh, maybe we should cut to our talk with Michael Zuber. Yeah, this is a fantastic one. Get your notepad out. Okay, so we're here with Michael Zuber, real estate investor and author of One Rental at a Time. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well, Adam. Thank you very much uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time today. Of course. Uh, always happy to talk real estate. One of the, <laughs> my favorite topics. <laughs> um, so, Michael, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, uh, I live in the Silicon Valley, uh, specifically Mountain View, California. And my real estate journey started about 20 years ago after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, you know, I, I was a tech worker uh, in the Valley who unfortunately was spending every penny of his income and realizing that that was probably not a a path to much of a financial existence. So we, uh, you know, we got into real estate. We started with one rental, that first house on Norris Drive, and you know, kind of fast forward through 15 exciting years of up and down markets. Uh, we retired financially free. We replaced uh, two six-figure incomes because of you know boring old rental properties, and um, you know, the last couple of years. I've been trying to give back and, and help others see that if they are willing to focus, learn their markets, live below their means, that you know not only can they improve their financial future, but uh, if they stick at it long enough, they can uh, be financially free. So that's what I'm trying to do. So, so just in terms of timeline, so you you bought your first revenue property 15 years ago. It would have been two, December of 2002. So call it what 17 and a half years ago. And and you retired 15 years later. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's now I retired February 1st of 2018, so two and a half years. Congratulations. That's incredible. So, so Michael, maybe can we can we just jump in like why real estate? 
Well, I wish I had a you know a, a better answer than this. Well, the answer is I tried stocks first, right? And it's interesting to tell this story because of where we are in the stock market today. Uh, I was, you know, arguably a very successful day trader of stocks in my late 20s. It was the dot-com craze. And again, I was in the valley. So I saw companies with no earnings and no profit worth hundreds of dollars a share and double or triple in IPO timeframes. And, you know, you were all making money, right? right. Kind of reminds me of the, the today there's a guy in Seattle, I think David uh, Potsnoy or something that's all the rage saying stocks only go up. Well, I lived that environment 20 years ago, and it felt great for a long time. And then, unfortunately, at one point, it didn't. And, you know, I went from making, you know, over six figures to losing it all in, in seemingly 10 days. And I felt stuck, right? I, I went from feeling like uh, I was better than Warren Buffett to feeling like an idiot who doesn't deserve anything. And, you know, it was walking around a bookstore realizing that I needed to do something because uh, I didn't want to work for 50 or 60 years. Uh, that I needed to do something. That's when I stumbled across that Rich Dad Poor Dad book. That purple book caught my eye, and you know that's that's why real estate because it was something I could touch. It's something you could learn. It doesn't really lie to you because you know I got burned by Enron and WorldCom, which were two uh, financial um, you know bad things, just like Wirecom of today. I mean the the things that we're seeing now just strike me so similar to what I experienced in in late '99 to early 2000s and. Real estate's just tangible. It produces income. It's something you can leverage. There's tax benefits. When the market goes crazy and it's overpriced, you can sell and move into cheaper assets. And you know, if you if you move around, the market will tell you. It, the real estate market moves, but it doesn't drop overnight like uh, like stocks do. And uh, it's just you know, once you get started and you learn your market, you just try to make the next deal better than the last deal. And you know. Uh, the future gets brighter year after year. So in, in thinking about getting started, because obviously a lot of people want to invest in real estate, but they just don't know where to begin. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about kind of the, the, the first couple years and, and even the first investment? Yeah. So it really starts with learning your market. That's the big thing. And, and I say that now, it's probably the thing I'm quoted with most saying, because you really do make your money when you buy, which is something I heard and read about 20 years ago, but I didn't really understand until I've experienced two or three market cycles. And when you learn your market, every market, I believe, whether it's Vancouver, the Silicon Valley, you know, Dallas, Texas, or Washington, D.C., uh, produces an average return for affordable working, you know, working class um, rentals. You know, let's just pick Vancouver and say the average is 6%. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know the market, but let's just use that. So if you learn that Vancouver produces 6%, what your job is, you know, a full-time employee like I was is, okay, if, if Vancouver earns 6%, my job is to go find good or great deals because we don't need to say yes to everything. We only need to do one a year, two a year to change our future. So if you can wait and find that one deal that produces 75 or 8.5%, um, you should move forward. But people don't like hearing that. You know, I have looked at my market now every day for nearly 20 years and I know what it's doing. I can tell you any day whether supply is up or, you know, is, is inventory flying off the shelf or bidding wars, what's going on. But, you know, people get money in their pocket. They get interested in real estate. They spend a weekend looking at, uh, you know, the MLS or Zillow or Redfin or whatever it is, and they start writing offers. And in today's market, uh, that's dangerous. Today's market is one, at least in the markets that I follow, very low supply and high demand which is not a great time to be an investor uh, because you are going to get in bidding wars. Owner-occupants have an unfair advantage, at least in the U.S., with different lending programs. And it means if you are going to get something as an investor, you're going to overpay. And you're going to take an average deal and probably make it a bad deal because you'll be, you'll be overpaying for it. And you know, I talk about it in the book. If you're not careful, you can generate negative cash flow, which, is, I, create, um, which I call an alligator. Right. I don't think negative cash flow is painful enough. So I want to get an image. Actually, <laughs> the only image in the book is a picture of an alligator eating bags full of money because I want people to remember that. So, Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. And, and I want to talk a little bit about kind of being on the West Coast because 
obviously, I mean, in, in an area like Vancouver, it's it's really tough to cash flow positive on on investment mm. properties. Um, and you know, you can you can probably argue the same thing for markets like perhaps Seattle or San Francisco, um, where the prices are 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 considerably higher. And it's funny because sure. we we listen to a lot of podcasts from the U.S. and and you hear these stories about people buying you know, revenue properties for $80,000. And it just seems so disconnected from our market. So how, I mean, you are a, a West Coast native and uh, you are cur- currently in the Silicon Valley. Can you talk about like, how do you how do you avoid alligator properties? First, give us a definition of alligator properties, but also how do you avoid them and, and, and how do you approach investing overall? Yeah, so alligator would tackle that one first because it's kind of easy, right? Uh, in my book, I talk about when I did a cash-out refinance on my first property on Norris Drive, and I, I didn't know any better, right? I thought the banks were conservative, so I didn't even check the numbers. Where, lo and behold, I get my first mortgage payment, and my mortgage payment is twelve twenty-five or something like that. But my rent, before any expenses, is ten ninety-five. Right. Right, which is, you know, the definition of stupid. And, <laughs> and yes, I did make that mistake. So, um, you're, you know, even in the best of cases, I was going to be losing money on that property every month. And, you know, I never bought an alligator property, but I certainly did a cash out refi that was too large. I put, you know, I took too much equity out of the property and, you know, now I had the joy of owning something that I had to pay for every month, which, you know, doesn't feel good. So that's, that's the idea of an alligator property is when you have to take money out of your W2 to pay for it. So that's, that's number one. Right. Second is I'm you know I've lived in the Bay Area you know either Mountain View Sunnyvale Cupertino which are all within 20 minutes of each other uh, for 50 years right it's it's where I where I've grown up and lived my entire life so um, you know the first thing I did when I figured out I wanted to do real estate when I stumbled across that rich dad poor dad we talked about earlier is I spent a year 52 Sundays in a row driving around the Bay Area because every book in 2002 said don't buy a rental unless it's 30 minutes or closer. That's what they all said. So I didn't know any different. Nobody in my family ever owned rental property. So I was relying on the quote unquote experts. Well, that didn't work really well. And I remember sitting around the kitchen table with my wife going, what the heck do we do? We can't own an investment. This is our path to the future, feeling really defeated. And it was actually Olivia, my wife, who came out, pulled out a California map and said, okay, well, let's you know, let's see what else there is. And we started drawing circles around our house, right? 30 minutes, 60 minutes hour and a half, two hours. And then we finally found Fresno, California, which is an easy two and a half hour drive uh, from where we live. So we live where we want, but we invested where the numbers made sense. So that first house way back in 2002, we bought for 107 and it rented for 1095. So it cash flowed a couple hundred bucks a month. And, you know, I thought we had figured it out. Uh, And that was the start of our journey. So in the end, the answer is if you live in a ridiculously expensive place and it's tough, you know, live where you want. There's absolutely great reasons to live in Vancouver or the Silicon Valley, but maybe you should invest where the numbers make sense. And for me, uh, that meant I had to drive because I had a travel job that, that took me on airplanes and I wasn't going to get on an airplane and fly somewhere else. But there's lots of places I could drive in, you know, in this case, two and a half hours. And uh, we haven't looked back. We've stayed in Fresno, even though, you know, we rode the wave up, rode the wave down in, in, in the return. So, uh, it's been an exciting ride for nearly 20 years, but um, you know that's what I would say is we found a market. You know, just to go see one house, it's a five-hour day for us, and we did that drive many times. So uh, we were willing to make that investment. And, and so, in thinking about Fresno, like what was exciting? Was it just the numbers that was exciting about the area, or did you feel like that there was a gap in the market, perhaps? Or well, there was a couple of things. So first off, there were there were plenty of markets that you know that were closer, that offered similar returns, meaning rent to price ratio, but they were too small for our liking, right? They were little, what I would call towns, right? Anything that's 20,000 people, 25,000 people, you know, you're one hiccup away from, from being decimated or one, one employer away from being decimated. There was, there was one hot market, I forget what it was called here, um, at that time that was investing in a brand new state college. And they were building lots of nice homes around them. Uh, but frankly, they were building the wrong quality and they were building, you know, McMansions when they were going to be basically student housing. Um, so we could have, you know, had a similar ratio there, but it, it just didn't feel right. So Fresno for us uh, at the time was over half a million people. It's now a million people. So it's a growing area. Price to rent ratio obviously helped. Uh, and it was a market with inventory that was moving. 
so it was, um, you know, it wasn't a shrinking market for us. So there was lots of good things. Um, you know, that was, that was going for size being the big one, right? I did not want to invest in a small town. I had seen towns in my lifetime, um, you know, get decimated when, you know, the big employer, uh, goes out of business or maybe gets bought by someone else or, or whatnot. So, um, we avoided some small towns. That makes a lot of sense. So Michael, I'm thinking about like, just, I want to go back, you know, 17 years ago when you started getting into real estate and, and just think about how you start planning to actually retire. Cause I think a lot of people have that goal. What kind of, how did you approach it overall? Like, how did you, how did you put the system in place to kind of like, did, did you, did you come up with a 15 year timeline? Did you come up with a number of properties? Was it a, was it a, a certain amount of rental income that you needed to, to know that you could pull the plug on working? Oh no! I wish I had. I wish I could answer that question for you, uh, but I can't because all I was worried about in the beginning was getting the first deal, and once we got that, it was always just about getting the next deal. And for me, it was I wanted to make the second deal better than the first, the third deal better than the second, so on and so forth. That was my entire focus. Um, the only goal I really had back when I was thirty was if I could get to ten properties, uh, I will have something. Retirement was never a dream of mine, right? My family has, you know, my, my father and mother are still working, right? So it's, it's not something that I thought was financially feasible. I knew I could have a better future. And if I would ever pay off these 10 houses, that would be really cool. Um, but that wasn't what I was thinking. It wasn't until probably year eight or nine, when we had nearly a hundred units that we really started to go, wow, you know, if we stop buying all of these, you know, junkers, we have real positive cash flow that is meaningful. Um, you know, so my wife retired, what is it? It's 2020. She retired about six years ago. What we did there is we took her income, uh, for an entire year and put it in a different account. And we said, can we live without it? And sure enough, a year later, we'd never touched any of her, her, um, her W2 and, and, uh, she retired, right? We we weren't thinking about retirement. We just wanted a better financial future. I did play with the idea of being retired at 50, just because it's a round number and I needed something out there. But uh, it wasn't an income thing. It wasn't a unit thing. It was just, I want to keep getting the next deal and the next deal. Um, that was just easier for my brain to, to play with. And is there like is there a critique of maybe lofty lofty goal setting in in the title of your book? I mean, it's one rental at a time. Um, like, is that is that just easier to to look at it as you know? Let's just focus on what's right in front of us, kind of one step yeah, at a time. I, th- I think so. I think it's certainly more digestible. I think that's certainly what more people think about. And really, where that title came for me is. You know, when you get upwards of almost 200 units, you get invited to be a, be a speaker about real estate a lot. And, you know, in the beginning, we would tell our story, you know, at, you know, different times, be 150, 170, whatever it is, lots of units. And people would be excited for you, right? They'd want to come take your picture, shake your hand, all that good stuff. But what we realized when I followed up with some people is they didn't do anything. You know, these numbers are too big. And, you know, they went to their car after the, you know, 45 minutes or 75 minutes or whatever it was, and they didn't do anything. And I just felt like a failure because what I want to do in my life is I want to, you know, sit where I'm at. I'm comfortable. I have no, no desire for anything fancy. And I just want to keep pulling people up the ladder and help change their financial future. And if that's one rental, great. If that's four, great. So that's what I talk about. Let's just get one. And then when you get one, let's, let's try to get the next one. Um, because I think you can get lost in the muck and mire of, oh, my God, he got 150 units in 12 years. I can't do that. Oh, it was me. And then you sit down and do nothing. Right. But if we can talk about getting one, and we can talk about getting one this year, you know, everybody should be able to see that. So that's, that's where I focus. The intention of the book title is on purpose. Um, we only do one at a time. And, um, you know, that's okay. How do you analyze? Like, how do you find and analyze a deal? Oh, that's, that's what I teach, talk about all the time. So I I kind of highlighted it earlier when I talked about Vancouver in my example, I believe you need to learn your market. I've looked at my market every day for 20 years. And what I mean by learn your market is every market produces an average return. If you're in San Francisco, the average return might be negative 2%. If you're in Fresno, California in 2020 in July, it's about six and a half or 6%. You know, so every market does that. You need to know what average is. And, and the, the yield is simply 
expected yearly cash flow is the numerator, and the denominator is out-of-pocket cash to buy it, down payment, closing cost, and make ready. So I call this yield. I turn every investment into a bond, and I just want to know how hard my money is working. I want my money working harder than the average deal in my market. So I've done two deals in the last 30 or 45 days, and if the average is six and a half, I'm going to be shooting for eight or nine. And you know that's just kind of how I run my business. I never want to be average. I want, I don't have to say yes to everything. There's always hundreds of listings out there, but I only want to work for and find, you know, that really good or great deal. And again, back to being a new investor today, it's this is probably the most dangerous time, other than maybe the peak of '06, because there's such a low supply and high demand. And it's very uncertain what's going on with forbearance, economy, unemployment. Um, so this is the time to learn. This is not a time to rush out and you know spend that tax return or you know spend that savings. This is the time to learn. So uh, I want to know what the yield of that house is, and if it's better than average, I will likely take a shot at it. Right, right. Um, are you buying? Are you buying detached houses? Or are you buying condos, townhomes? Uh, traditionally, well, single family homes in that list is what I'm buying today. I think the single family affordable home, uh, is probably going to be the best thing to purchase for the next decade. When you look at my entire portfolio, it's split roughly 50, 50 between small multifamilies and houses. I did pick up one condo because they basically gave it to me for nothing during the crash. Um, don't generally like condos because of a busted association fees. They can raise them all the time. It's kind of like having a mortgage you can never pay off, but I do own one. Um, uh, but you know, you had to buy it right because uh, you know, it has a, it has a nice association fee, which I never get to pay off. <laughs> right. Right. And, and why, and so, so is that the big driver with, uh, with detached or why, why do you like single family so much? Uh, it's the best investment. I look at the numbers every day. Uh, multifamily, especially value-add multifamily, is going to go through a, an adjustment. It was overpriced. I did a lot of discussions in 2019. We sold our many apartment buildings. We sold about 50 units in 2019 because they were overpriced. One of the things I've been very good at and it's documented in the book is we sold houses back in 06 when they were overpriced. In 2019, we sold apartments. Uh, apartments in this health crisis are bad. Right, people want space. They want backyards. They want an extra bedroom for their office and all their Zoom calls. They want a place for their kids to play while they're doing their stuff. And you can't do that in a you know a little small apartment building. So, at least in California, we are seeing a lot of Class A apartment owners or apartment tenants move out and buy houses in the suburbs. So, right, I'm a simple guy. I want to buy what you know what what's going to appreciate, what's going to cash flow. And right now, multifamily, at least in much of the U.S., is in trouble because uh, their economic vacancy is going to go up, their cap rates are going to expand, and that means their values are going to come down. And we're going to see a lot of busted syndications that were value-add with bridge debt. And, um, you know, I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to buy a bunch of houses like I did in, in 04, 05, 06, and then I will do what we call in the States a 1031 exchange and move into apartments. That's, you know, that was the first five years of our 15 year journey was we bought eight houses and then they got overpriced and we did some 1031 exchanges. And next thing you know, we're sitting with 80 units uh, in apartments. And then the real estate crash happens. It crushes housing, but you know, we're fine because we're sitting in apartments and our cash flow actually goes up. So uh, we just watch the market. I look, I, I, I'm not kidding. I look at my market every day and, and I'm constantly adjusting. And today housing is the best investment. Right. Um, at least in my market. And, and, and so in thinking about COVID-19, like how, how has it impacted your portfolio, if at all? And, and is it shaping your strategy over the next couple of years? Absolutely. Everybody remembers the last health crisis. I've been doing this 20 years in the financial markets, 30 years. And this, this health crisis has clearly said space is good. Vertical living is bad. Right. I mean, we're hearing stories about elevator buttons causing 60 infections in different apartment buildings and offices right. and all of that nonsense. So, yeah, vertical living, bad apartment, bad. I want a backyard, a front yard. I want an extra bedroom for my office. So it is it was made that the value of my houses go up. It has increased um, vacancies in my apartments. And um, I am only buying houses for the next probably two or two and a half years easy because uh, I have lived this uh, this world before. Supp demand is going to increase for the single-family home just like it did in 03, 04, and 05. And you can go back and look at the history. 
you know, California, why had double digit appreciation for three years in a row. So it took a hundred K house to 170 inside of three years. And, and we could very easily see that kind of appreciation in many cities, um, you know, here, uh, here shortly, because you're going to move to the suburbia. We'll see some cities absolutely crushed like San Francisco and New York, because people are going to leave there and move to the suburbs. Uh, but there are going to be many, many cities that benefit from being in the suburbs because this health crisis simply says space is good. Right. Uh, so that's what I'm buying. So it's it's kind of like a boom of the suburbs. Like we're seeing in Vancouver, a lot of people now moving to or talking about kind of moving to bedroom communities or rec- or, or um, picking up recreational properties. Um, smaller towns seem to be very active right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think this is, is this kind of the short term though, or do you think that buying habits are actually going to start to change longer term? It's all about the employers. So I don't know what's going on in Vancouver, but here in the Silicon Valley, uh, they have clearly declared the work from home thing is real. And they're telling folks that you can move anywhere. Uh, I've been around this game long enough and lived in the Valley for peaks and booms that could change in a heartbeat, right? We get to January or February next year. You have a couple of companies that don't like work from anywhere anymore and, and tell their employees to come back. So it's all about employment. If this stays work remote, you know, you can live in Nevada versus California. And if, if you, your audience doesn't know what that means, that basically means you drop California's 13.3 state income tax you can actually get a raise by living two and a half hours or three hours away. So um, it's all about employment. Right. If employers continue to say you can work from anywhere, this is real and will only pick up momentum. Today, people are looking at it like, hmm, are they serious? Are they only talking about a couple of months? But you know, this time next year, if they're still saying work from anywhere and they're going to shrink their office space from you know, 30,000 square feet to 3,000 or whatever it is, um, yeah, this, this could really take off, but it's probably too early to tell. So it's, it's all about the employers. What, what, what are the employers saying, you know, February, March of 2021? So I'm, I'm just thinking, kind of changing gears here a little bit, thinking about mindset and, and in a, you know, a 17 year long journey, keeping your eye on the prize, how does mindset yeah. play a role in your investing strategy? Well, there was one I already shared, so we'll hit that one quick, and then there's a couple of others. First, for me, it was always about the next deal. Uh, and as I talk about in the book, when I look back on it after writing the book, I realized I didn't celebrate the journey as much as I should have. But I didn't have time, right? I, I was working 60-plus hours a week. I was often in three different cities every week for my job, and I was raising a daughter, and I just didn't have time. So for me, the first mindset is, is, was always the next deal, right? That was one. The second one, which is covered in the book and is very important, is you got to live below your means. You have to sacrifice. Right in the introduction, I talked about being a 30-year-old and spending every penny we made. We went from spending 100% of our income to spending 50% uh, inside of a, a couple of years. And that's meaningful. It's not about top line. Uh, when I was growing up, and for the longest time, I believed it, it, you know, the, it's income. Income is the only thing that matters. And reality, that's a that's just not true. It's, it's how much you have left, right? You can make half a million dollars a year as the brain surgeon, but if you're spending 600 grand a year, you're, you're going to be miserable where you could be making 50 grand a year uh, as a retail clerk somewhere. But if you only spend 30, you're happy. Uh, so it's about the net. So people really need to evaluate what I call needs and wants, you know, take care of the needs. But, you know, at least when I look at myself, I was wasting money on silly wants that um, if I took the time to sacrifice and let go of, um, I was able to retire at 45 instead of 50. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I bought 20 years of relative health and, and freedom. So uh, it was certainly worth it. Right, right. What, what are some of the uh, bad recommendations that you hear from people in the real estate world? Oh, my God, there's, it's a long list. Um, first off, there is basically give me your money, trust me. Uh, I call that syndications. I think that is um, that's something I'm really pushing against. And it really sells on the, hey, you're busy. Hey, I'm the expert. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Uh, and what I tell people is learning real estate is not that hard. It takes 20 minutes a day for 60 to 90 days, and you could learn one market. And that's all it takes. All you have to do is learn one market. You do one deal a year. And, um, you know, you're going to change your future. 
if you just trust people and you're part of some syndication because of some fancy social media or some real estate meetup, um, frankly, I don't know what else to say other than you're being lazy. Uh, I want people to trust themselves. That's a big deal to me. Trust themselves, learn your market, make your own decisions, you know, succeed or fail on your own, not because of someone else. And I think that's going to come back to bite a lot of people because they jumped into syndications the last two years and, and many of them are already falling apart. So that's number one. Number two, uh, a lot of people, there's a famous you know, YouTuber out there that talks about wedge deals, which basically means, for example, in Vancouver, let's say the average house in Vancouver was half a million bucks. You know, hey, go out and buy one for 420, you know, spend all this money fixing it up. And oh, by the way, you've created, you know, $30,000 in forced equity or whatever it is. It's not about appreciation and it's not even about net worth. The only reason we were able to survive the dot-com or the, the real estate crash in California, which was horrible, was because we had cash flow. The stuff we owned cash flow, and it didn't matter if prices fell 50%. We were able to hold on to that. We saw lots of people buy expensive homes that they had great net worth, but they were alligators. They were eating them alive every day, and once the market turned – you know, they had, they lost them. They, they, they did what we called in California a strategic default. And I don't think uh, Canada, given what little information I know has that you would, you would owe the difference in Canada if you overpaid. So mm -hmm. don't bet on appreciation. Don't bet on this value creation. It's nothing. You want cash flow, people. Cash flow is what allows you to survive the bad times. Uh, betting on appreciation, forced value creation feels good in the good times. But it's horrible, and it can cause you to go bankrupt or, you know, something like that if you're not careful. So those are two things that jump out at me. Right. And, and Michael, thinking about like some of you had mentioned in the first point, um, you know, the the, the failures. <laughs> um, how how has failure or apparent failures uh, set you up for later success? And and maybe as a, a as a part B there, do you have a, a favorite failure over the years of real estate investing? Well, I guess the, the, the story is, is captured pretty good in the book, but we'll share it for your audience. Um, the, the first failure that really allowed us to start this journey was that first rental house we bought. Remember earlier we talked about we, we wasted 52 weekends looking in the Bay Area. Well, we drove down to Fresno, California, which I said already is two and a half hours away. We looked at a bunch of houses over a weekend, and we bought one, right? You can look it up if you go on Zillow. Its address is 1818, so 1818. Norris Drive, N-O-R-R-I-S Drive, 93703. Check it out. We, we bought it for 107, December of 02, I believe. And uh, we moved a tenant in. We were excited. They moved in real quick. We got the rent we wanted, 1095, and we thought we'd succeeded. Lo and behold, two weeks after they moved in, uh, the family separated. They ended up getting a divorce. The wife takes off. We never see her again. The husband does not like this situation. And he stops going to work. Not only does he stop going to work, he stops paying his rent. Not only does he stop going to work and stop paying his rent, but now he's a professional alcoholic destroying our house. Oh. And in California, unfortunately, I can't get him out for 60 to 75 days. It just takes that long to do an eviction. So after almost 75 days spending $1,000 on an attorney, uh, we go into this house that's now been destroyed. Uh, we haven't collected rent since they moved in. And we're hit with a $15,000 repair bill. So I'm sitting there with Olivia going, Shh, I was expecting her to say, sell this thing. I never want to come back. It's just like the stock market. We suck. And she looked at me and said, did we do everything right? I said, yep. We, you know, we, there's no box on a rental application. Are you going to get divorced? Right? It doesn't exist. <laughs> and you know, we, were, we were bitten pretty hard. And uh, she said, nope, keep going. So you know, from that decision onward, we kept going. That house ended up being a home run for us. If you look it up on Zillow, we sold it for 264. You know, yes, 150 grand more, less than four years later, and we moved all of that equity in, into an apartment building that we still own today. So, while that house starts off miserable and, and is worse than anything I could imagine or wish on a new investor, it is something that is still part of me. And uh, we made that decision. Bad stuff happens in real estate and we just kept moving forward. We double checked our systems and processes to make sure we didn't make a mistake. And then we just kept moving forward. And that, that one decision back in 2003 or four um, allowed us to keep moving. Cause that, again, that house turned out great. It was just those first four or five months were 
beyond horrible. I, I really, I love that advice because there's, there's things that you can control and then there's things that are just completely outside of your control and there's challenges in real estate investing. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm so curious because we have a, a lot of uh, millennials and Gen Z or Z, Gen Z um, people mm-hmm. that listen to the podcast. Do you have any advice for, for kind of younger, younger people getting into real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. I actually did a mentorship call with a 20-year-old yesterday on my YouTube channel. And what I, want, what I told him is what I want to tell all your listeners. You are, you are at such a lucky point in your life to have found real estate investing. You found it a decade before I did. And the reason you are so lucky to do that is your life expenses today, as Gary Vee says, you can live on ramen noodles, right? You, your, your monthly expenses, or your nut as I call it, is probably thousands of dollars, right? Two, three, four thousand dollars. The trick to being financially free, again, is not income. It's how much you have to spend to live. So as a Gen Z listener to this, if you can keep your living expenses at 2000 or 2500 a month, you can be retired by the time you're 30. And that's an amazing thing. You learn your market, you sacrifice, you don't raise your expenses to match your income, you save, earn, and invest. Man, really, I mean, I wish, I mean, I would pay to be a Gen Z listener knowing what I know now. I mean, instead of retiring at 45, I could retire at 28 or 29. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Um, So I think they need to focus and special. This is an interesting time to exist, but uh, you, each Gen Z listener, you make the call every day. Do I want to go expand my monthly expenses, buy a new car, add more debt, uh, get a fancier place to live. So um, if you just sacrifice for a a couple extra years and you don't get caught up in the fancy um, comparing with your friends, you could be retired while they still have to work. And uh, that's a pretty awesome feeling. That's that's great advice. Uh, And maybe as a a final question, Michael, uh, lots of people are probably wondering about like your habits and routines and kind of how, how you go about your, your, your day. Um, in the last five years, has there been a new belief behavior, behavior or habit that has improved your life significantly? I would say the thing that improved my life was actually a couple of weeks after I left the workforce or retired or whatever you want to call it. So again, I retired at 45 and I'm almost 50 now. And so when you retire at 45, uh, you spend two days telling everybody in your phone that you're retired and your face hurts because you smile so much, right? I mean, it literally hurts from smiling. Uh, But what happens quickly after that when you realize you're, you're, you're the only one in your phone that is not working on a Wednesday and then not working again on a Thursday and, you know, nobody wants to do anything with you is you got to do something. So I had a choice and I was one weekend away from just getting another job because I was getting, I was getting depressed. And think about what I've just said. I'm 45. My, my expenses are met and I'm depressed. That is just illogical. But when you're used to running a thousand miles an hour and you're used to running worldwide teams and you're used to being on the 90 day clock as a salesperson, your mind plays tricks on you. So that weekend I had a choice. I could either just go get a job somewhere in the Valley because I'm good at what I do, or I could find something else for me. So what that meant for me is I had to document our story because while Rich Dad Poor Dad changed my life, it didn't tell anybody how to do it. So we wrote the book, One Rental at a Time, which took me months because I, I hate writing. I'm not very good at it. And then editing is even worse. But ultimately, that got produced and published on Amazon and now Audible, and it's changing people's lives. So I wanted to create that for belief and confidence. And then for me, it's like, okay, what else you can do? So I've created a YouTube channel called One Rental at a Time, where I do at least two videos a day um, between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. Pacific trying to help. One's called the Daily Financial News, which is a summary of the Daily News. And that's allowed me to feel like I'm still contributing. I'm still moving the ball forward every day. And the best part is my wife sleeps in so I can get all this done before she's up. I can get to the gym and do my workout. And then I still have 10 hours to do whatever we want together. So for me, it was finding something else. It was really dangerous to feel depressed at 45 after you've spent, you know, whatever it was getting to freedom and then and almost going to back to get a job. That, that, 
that would have been so sad. So I had to find something else to do because you still have 24 hours in a day and you still have your relative health. So that was a big change for me. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And I mean, the resources you're putting out are, are excellent. How can people find out more about what you're doing? Uh, how can they find your YouTube channel? How can they buy your book? So everything for me is one rental at a time. That's the brand. So if you go to Amazon or Audible, yes, it is now on Audible, uh, you can buy it there. Um, if you want to go to YouTube, um, just search one rental at a time. It's also youtube.com slash one rental at a time. Just hit the subscribe button. Again, I put out four hours of original content every week. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, same name, one rental at a time. Um, I'm pretty open. And, and again, it's, it makes me feel good to help people every day. And um, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep doing, to, doing it until I'm not having any fun. <laughs> well, well thanks. thanks so much for taking the time today, Michael. We really appreciate it. All right, Adam. Thank you very much. There you have it, folks, our discussion with Michael Zuber, author, investor, young retiree. Yes. This, guy's, this guy wears many hats. Uh, many, many hats. Bright, very bright. Really enjoyed the conversation with, uh, with Michael, Matt. I've been avoiding alligators my entire life. It's, kept, it's prevented me from going to Florida. Um, and now I'm avoiding alligator properties. At least uh, I will try. It's very difficult in our region. That's right. That's right. Uh, but no, there's a ton of useful takeaways from that prop, from this right. uh, from this uh, uh, talk for sure. Really, a blueprint to figuring out how to achieve your goals, right. especially if your goals are to retire young with a lot of cash flow. I I love that conversation. I love the discipline of of Michael Zuber. He's he's basically monitoring the market 20 minutes a day. That's all it takes, is what he said. And it basically it's it's watching a market. It's it's uh it's being disciplined. It's it's taking action. It's buying when when you feel like it's the right time to buy. And look at that, 187 doors later, and uh, he can sit on the beach and you know pick belly lint all day. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that he's he was uh, when he achieved his retirement goal, he actually was bored. Yeah, depressed. <laughs> I think I think that's the one thing you think of, you, you have to think about too is if you're really successful. A lot of your friends will actually still be going to work, right? And so, <laughs> and so, if if you if you retire, and you might be the only guy retired, and you know, not we're, not we're everybody smallest can, violin for yeah, Michael Zuber, I yeah, guess. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the the Tuesday happy hour at noon doesn't really work when you're 43, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, anyways, what else have we got for today? We've got VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. That's right, our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over there. You there's a, tons of resources. We got our back catalog. We have things like our weekly. Mailer, the live wire. This has deal of the month. We're sending out stats, stats that nobody else has. Better stats than the real estate board puts for out. sure. For sure, uh, we're also putting out real estate board stats. But you want to be on this list. We also have, of course, the Sellers Club. Yes, Sellers Club's phenomenal. We're sending out the best resources for sellers. All you have to do is send us an email to join the Sellers Club, and we will or, be updating or, this list. Or get on the live wire and just hit reply. I mean, that's the that's probably the the easiest, easiest. strategy. Well, you should Easy. be on the live wire, anyways. There's no reason not to be. Yeah, be part of both of these uh, these lists for sure. There's no reason not to. We also, last but not least, have private client services. Yeah, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information. It's free. It's available on our website. There's no better way to look for real estate in Vancouver. And if you're a seller, if you're not thinking of of buying you can use this to see what your neighbors are selling for. That's right. You know what I would do? I would sign up for the live wire. Right. I would hit reply and get, get on, on the that seller's, seller's club. club. Yeah. And then I'd sign up for You'd PCS. You'd circle back and sign up for PCS. That's, but that's the thing. You are a disciplined I investor. Action. I take You're action. You're taking action. Uh, be like Matt uh, in that uh, regard only. Yeah, yeah just, just, just in one regard. <laughs> VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you want to talk about that or anything else, uh, I'm always available, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Speaking Wait. of a disciplined <laughs> exerciser... Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think he was on the elliptical. Eater. He was already on the He's elliptical just punching today. burgers in his face <laughs> on the elliptical. Uh, secret. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It's, uh, it's no secret how disciplined he is. Uh, 
Have a great week, guys. Take care. 2,000 Faces for Radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.